0: Welcome or welcome back to Prearb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. COVID has switched my attention to major league games this year, but players develop at that level as well until they no longer do. If you have questions about Cubs development, the pipeline, the podcast, or anything else along those lines, fire away either on the contest line at Tim815 on Twitter or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Caraway or Dermody, and ask me questions if I was confusing. We spend our time where it's valued and I don't wish to waste yours. With the trade deadline creeping along, there are articles out saying the Cubs are looking for this. The Cubs are looking for that. And of course, fans chip in with their pearls of wisdom. Bring back Castellanos. Um, and I'm seeing from far too many sources, far too many sources, one comment stated as if it makes sense. The Cubs ought to call up Burl Carraway. Now, I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I'm going to actually start with a piece of fiction. Sometimes people like to believe bad, uh, not bad. Sometimes people like to believe inaccurate realities as opposed to complex truths. It's easier to have a basic idea even if it's wrong then a complicated idea if you have to think it out and explain it as such people who follow baseball a lot of times are absolutely addicted to velocity so if they hear somebody throws 95 96 98 wow i'm impressed bring him up okay Uh, When the Cubs bring up Dylan Maples, and he walks three hitters in a row, throwing 97, 98, 99. Why, why, Why after the game are you calling for him to be sent back? Well, because he's not getting people out. Okay. Now, what's more important The velocity or getting people out? People really do like to think that because they are ardent in their belief that velocity... Matters, if they push for velocity, bring up the guy who throws really hard, because the guy who throws really hard will do better than the guy who doesn't throw really hard. Well, (laughs) that's never, never really been a thing. Back in the day, there was a pitcher named Steve Delkowski. Back in the 60s or so, he threw 98, 99, you know, way back in the day. So it might not have been that hard, but it's the uh, similarity to, you know, a guy throwing really hard right now. The problem was everything he had was either a walk or a strikeout. He'd strike out 14 guys in a complete game because that's what in the minor leagues people would do that back then, have pitchers throw seven, eight, nine innings. He'd walk, he'd strike out 14, but he'd walk 18. He never once made it to the major leagues, nor probably should he have, because if you can't avoid walking people at lower levels, what is the logic behind thinking they will be able to get people out without walking them regularly at higher levels? The way I like to discuss it, when you have a player who throws really hard, whoever it is, right-handed, left-handed, whatever the story is, whatever the backstory is, right now I ask someone, why do you think some certain hard thrower would be able to go from where he is now up to being able to retiring Paul Goldschmidt or Eugenio Suarez or Joey Votto or Ryan Braun? That's what you're, that's what you're asking. Can this dude who you're talking about is there a reason to believe he would be able to get out the good hitters at the major league level now? You don't worry about the guys who are hitting 211. Don't worry about the guys who are hitting 146. Those guys, they they get themselves out at the major league level. If you want to call up someone to, this guy's going to make the team better. This guy's going to make a difference. This guy's going to you know, help the Cubs to postseason success. Why, why do you think they're going to get hitters out? Why do you think they're going to get the good hitters out? If you can give a reason for it, if you have some, if you have some backup, cool, that, that's wonderful. I love backup. I love when people have uh, ammunition to back up their ideas because then if they show that I'm wrong, then I have to reconsider. And that's good. I mean, if somebody gets me to, oh, maybe what I've been saying the last five, six years is garbage. Maybe I ought to adjust it. Maybe I was totally wrong. Maybe I was phrasing it improperly. But a number of people who I would not expect to see doing the the Cubs ought to call up Burl Carraway have been doing exactly that. And it doesn't make much sense. Now, if the Cubs had no options at all, in the minor leagues that could even remotely possibly come up and get out to the major league level. None. Now you'll look at all the people on the A list, all the guys on the 60-man player pool, all of them, every single one of them. There's no chance, no realistic justification for why any of them would get out to the major league level. If you have a case like that, and there's someone at the 60 man player pool who is in the minor leagues. I'll get someone soon who makes more sense. Well, okay. I might disagree or it might disagree, but you at least might have a completely valid point worth discussing. And like I say, people are pushing it. They're just hunchifying. They're just absolutely hunchifying. I want. Something to happen, therefore, it is a good thing. I can't accurately emphasize enough how much I appreciate you guys listening to the podcasts. Feel free, if you hear one that you particularly like, to share it with another like-minded Cubs fan friend of yours, or if you really enjoy the podcasts, consider sponsorships through Anchor. While either of those would be wonderfully appreciated, just continuing to listen is wonderful. Burl Carraway versus Matt Dermody. More than likely, you're really not familiar with either one of them. Just completely, you know, their names. Uh, kind of like if you were to go back in time and watch a random or, no, I won't even use random, a Baseball game from 1917. Two American League teams, two pitchers that you've never heard of. You're sitting and watching. You have no idea until you do any research if these pitchers are any good, if there's anything there, there. So if someone were to assess how could someone gauge... Whether Burl Carraway or Matt Dermody would probably perform better at the major league level over five hitters. What would you base that on? If you were to decide, you know, okay, you have $50 that you're gambling on this. Let, let, let's talk gambling because gambling gets people's attention. You're gambling, you're gambling $50. You have two games going on, kind of like at the same time. And you have equal teams. They would be opposing. We're not not rigging it, so you're doing heart of the order for one guy and back of the order for another. Basically, your your league average, uh, 95 to 105 OPS guys, and you got three right-handed hitters and two left-handed hitters or whatever, just straight-out equal. Straight out equal, as best as you can possibly do. Same defensive players, same defensive player abilities behind them. All the everything. What methodology would you use to determine these two pitchers that you're probably not remotely familiar with? How would you assess which of these guys would probably do better against major league hitters right now? How would you do it? Is it this guy throws 99 and this guy throws something else? Or is it height? Is it um, spin, uh, spin rate? I don't have that information, but that would probably be helpful. That would probably be useful. As far as information that you could possibly locate, how would you determine between two guys who you've never watched before? how would you determine which guy you think would do better against five similarly matched up hitters at the major league level how would you how would you come to that how would you even start to go about that i've been thinking about that and back a while ago i did one half of the equation and I thought I did it fairly well. I looked at the opponents for Dallas Baptist, which was Brook Carraway's School. The opponents and how well they did during the college season. College season was shortened and just looking at records doesn't tell everything in the world. I don't have the records for their season in front of me this time, but the teams that Dallas Baptist played before the season was stopped were as follows. South Dakota State, University of Texas Arlington, North Carolina, Arkansas State, Oklahoma, Oral Roberts, and Baylor. The three top teams, I would guess, would be North Carolina, Oklahoma, and Baylor. And the other teams, hmm, probably Oral Roberts and Texas Arlington are the next two best. They're probably about similar. And Arkansas State and San Diego State would probably be toward the bottom. Now if I were to, what, what would be a decent way to assess those teams? Fair way of looking at it, how, how would you actually assess them? The wins and losses can be useful, can be deceptive. One thing that is interesting is which of these schools have players that you've actually heard of that have been drafted recently? fair call. North Carolina's had a lot of players drafted recently. Michael Bush was drafted last cycle in the first round. Um, But North Carolina usually will have a first rounder or two pretty much every year. Oklahoma and Baylor will periodically have a first rounder and usually both of them will have Someone go in the top three rounds. Oral Roberts, the the other Oral Roberts, Arkansas State, UT Arlington, San, South Dakota State. I I would have to do research to come up with a name for any player that's been drafted from ev- any of those four schools in the last 10 years. I know there's someone from Oral Roberts I'm familiar with, but I'm not placing who it is and what his name is. But UT Arlington, I have no idea of anybody that's played at UT Arlington. South Dakota State, I listened to a bit of an Illinois against South Dakota State game two years ago. And Nobody was particularly impressing as far as, wow, this guy ought to get drafted. So that's that's a reasonable way of assessing it. So some of these guys, college, most of these players, particularly for South Dakota State, Texas Arlington, Arkansas State, Nora Roberts, this is it for almost all of them. Almost every single player on all four of those teams, when they're done, with their college career, they're finished. They're not going to, oh, I'm going to get a get drafted in the ninth round by the Phillies, or I'm not going to get drafted, but I'm going to sign on as a free agent with the Royals. That's not what happens with those four teams. Most of those teams, if you're playing there, particularly going into your draft year, most of the time, you're not going to have a professional baseball career. You're just not. Okay, so now Burl Carraway faced those seven teams. His best outing, in my estimation, was against North Carolina. I'm not looking at his numbers from that outing this time. I did back in a podcast about a week, week and a half ago. And he pitched really well. I think it was inning and two-thirds, four strikeouts. I can't remember if he gave up a hit or a walk, but he, he that was probably the outing that the Cubs saw that got him to get drafted in the second round. My guess, that's probably a game that put him over the top. That said, there were some outings against Arkansas State and South Dakota State, and I think one against UT Arlington, that he really struggled. Walked, Walked three and two innings or something like that. And this is in college. This is in college. These are guys who are college players that most of them are never going to turn professional. So Burrow Carraway had decent numbers against college players in 2020. Decent numbers, good numbers, a little bit high with the walks. So what is your reasoning behind thinking that a player who couldn't dominate Arkansas State or South Dakota State will suddenly be able to walk in and, oh yeah, he's the guy I want to come in and face Paul Goldschmidt. Why would that make any sense? Why would you want him to face Goldschmidt or Tommy Edman or uh, Josh Bell? Why would he be the guy that you would want to face a good major league hitter when he wasn't getting out? College guys who probably won't have a major league career. On the other hand, <clears throat> Matt Dermody. I did a little bit, of, little bit of research today. And I was looking up the Constellation League. That's the league that the Sugarland Skeeters play in. Dermody, in 2020, when trying to convince the Cubs to sign him, Went to go play for the Skeeters in the Constellation League. And he pitched three or four times. I think they were all starts. And I think he got in, Dermody got in 16 innings. I think it was 16 innings. I looked it up. I didn't write it down. Got in about 16 innings, pitching in the Constellation League, which is a professional league. No, it's not. Major League Baseball, no, it's not a league that you're familiar with, but it is a professional league. Now, I'm going to walk you through a little bit of the Constellation League. Anthony Giansanti was a player who is a player who was in the Cubs pipeline for, I don't know, six, eight years, nine years. And he was the type of guy the Cubs would like to have as the roommate for the team's superstar. They would have Anthony Santi room with Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Addison Russell. His job was to be the guiding force to hope that the, pl- the player would, oh, this is how professionals do things. So... Gian Santi is a very well thought of teammate, and he made it to AAA, but most of his success was in A-ball and A. He has been bouncing between independent leagues the last couple years, and this year he is with the Sugarland Skeeters. Now, who do you think, ju- just, just tossing this out there who do you think is probably a better baseball player right now today? Anthony Gian who played A ball, double A ball, triple A ball, and completely gets how things work and is very good at getting players to maximize mentally as well as on the field. That, or some kid from Arkansas State who's not going to get drafted at all ever. Who do you think is a better baseball player? The person who has played major league base or who's played minor league baseball and professional baseball for the last 8 or 9 years or a player who's never going to get drafted ever in his entire life. Who do you think is the better player? Okay. Um however, if I'm assessing Matt Dermody, it's probably not applicable to gauge him up against someone on the Sugarland Skeeters team, because if he's on the Sugarland Skeeters team, he's obviously not facing Matt Dermody in a game. So what I did, there are actually two teams in Sugarland. Go figure, who knows it? The the Sloths, the Sugarland Sloths, are the other Sugarland team in the Constellation League. So I decided I would look at the Sugarland Sloths. Wow, sloths is one syllable, but it plays out like it's four because the letters just don't go together. Sloths, especially when you make it plural. So I looked at the Sloths roster. I looked at some names. Yeah, okay, I heard of him, recognize him. The player that has played the most games as a hitter for the Sugarland Sloths this year. And off of that, there's a very legitimate chance that this guy faced Dermody in one of the games that Dermody pitched. I don't know if he did. Uh, I was actually trying to look for box scores, but they like cryptically hide them. You can watch games if you want, but you'd have to purchase the game to download it to the computer to watch, which is actually a good way to get some money for the Sugarland Skeeters. But I'm not all that interested in watching a game where Dermody pitched, especially if I can't look at a box score to see which game he actually pitched in. So, the Sugarland Sloths. Primary third baseman is Lucas Ursig. Again, you've probably never heard of Lucas Ursig, and that's all good. I have no qualms if you haven't heard of Lucas Ursig. He went to, he was at a somewhat larger school as a freshman and sophomore and had some sort of a, I'll say, concern and was tossed out of school and ended up going to a smaller school, I think in California somewhere, to rebuild his draft stock. And he had a decent enough year and the Milwaukee Brewers drafted him in I want to say the third round, I might be off a little bit one way or the other, but he was a definitely, he was somebody that major league front offices were definitely aware of and were definitely interested in. So Brewers drafted Ersig and as recently as 2018 or 2019, I was noticing him in box scores I was thinking, hmm, this is odd that Ersig is playing for the Skeeters, or playing for the Sloths, against the Skeeters. But he's one of the minor league players who decided he was probably best off playing indie ball to keep his game going, even though he's still with the Brewers organization. I looked a little bit more closely at his professional page. And last season, 2019, Ersig got regular at bats, I think he had over 100 games, in A, in the Brewers system and hit 218. Now, 218 isn't a great batting average. You know that, I know that, everybody under the sun knows that. But... Here's the thing. Do you think Lucas Ersig is a better hitter? Is a better baseball player? Is a better professional baseball player, is a better challenge for a hitter, for a pitcher who's trying to develop into Major League ability. Who do you think is a better professional hitter? Lucas Ersig, who hit 218 in AAA last year or some dude at Arkansas State that isn't going to get drafted, ever. Who do you think's better right now? My money would be on the guy who's gotten all the way to AAA baseball. If a player is pitching in the Constellation League, as Dermody did, and he's being somewhat successful, as Dermody was. Dermody had an ERA under one in, no, under two. Was it under two or? It was certainly under two and it might have been under one in 16 innings. And he had, in those 16 innings, he had seven walks against professional hitters like Lucas Ersig who have advanced to AAA. some of them. Some of them have gotten to advanced A ball. Burl Carraway walked six guys in nine and a third innings as a junior for Dallas Baptist. Now, that's not to say Caraway's terrible, and that's the overstatement some people are going to make. Oh, you're saying he's... No, 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 no. If a player is drafted by an organization. In general, they should be very patient and very deliberate in moving him along. There are exceptions though. Last year, the Cubs picked up Robel Garcia in the offseason, And due to the way the rules are written, there was no reason for them to be patient with Robel Garcia with Burl Carraway, if the Cubs rush him to the major leagues, and he's not ready, well, they still have to leave him on the 40-man roster, and if they kick him off the 40-man roster, then when they designate him for assignment, somebody's probably going to claim him if he gets run through waivers, and if they trade him, he's sure not going to have very much trade value if they trade him when they've designated him for assignment. Baseball is a business. That's another thing I've been reminded of today by a number of the joyous people on Twitter. Baseball is a business. It's not just a lark like it is for the fans where, oh, I'm going to flip on the game and watch it, and if somebody doesn't do it very well, then I'll holler at them and say they suck. No, baseball is a business. The goal is to make wise decisions, frugal decisions, decisions that will help the team be better in the long haul not worse and let's imagine let's just imagine in about two years burl Caraway has done well enough in a ball well enough in double a ball uh well enough in a ball well enough in advanced a well enough in double a and well enough in triple a He's shown, you know what, he might actually be good at the major league level. In that case, sure, call him up. Why not? Because there's only so many minor league levels. If you've gotten to the top minor league level and you've crunched that, sure, move him up. On the other hand, the likelihood of a player doing really well his first time through the league, isn't necessarily all that good. Dermody has been through the major leagues before. He's been there. He's pitched twice at the major league, twice two different seasons at the major league level. He's pitched one game against the Cubs in Toronto. And this year he went down to the Constellation League and did really well there against players who are far better than players that are collegiates at... South Dakota State or Oral Roberts or Arkansas State or UT Arlington against better competition, Matt Dermody pitched better than Burl Carraway did against college players. I'm completely good if I would see in, on Twitter or anywhere, that the Cubs have decided to give Matt Dermody a look at the major league level. And if he goes out there and gets absolutely crushed. I'm looking forward to people saying, but, but, but you said he'd be really good. And I could say, no, I didn't. Where did I say he'd be really good? Pitching at the major league level is very, very difficult. Pitching at the Major League level is more difficult than coming up with, uh, this is going to be hard to believe, it's more difficult pitching at the Major League level than it is coming up with a good tweet or a good podcast. I know that's really hard to believe, but pitching at the Major League level is really difficult, and if Matt Dermody goes up to the Major League level and he's terrible, then the Cubs designate him for assignment, run him through waivers, and as which happened at some point this week with Jarrell Cotton, he'll probably clear waivers. The Cubs will be able to keep him in South Bend and hope that he gets a little bit better. Whereas if the Cubs irrationally call up Matt Dermody, or call up... Burl Carraway, who there's no evidence that he's better than Matt Dermody, and he misfires. The Cubs have already committed him to a 40 man roster spot. Committing to a player with a 40 man roster spot is a huge commitment. That's like buying the ring, it's a huge commitment putting a player on the 40-man roster, especially, especially before it's necessary. There's no reason to call up Burl Carraway. Matt Matt Dermody, though, on the other hand, if he's good, you have something. If he's terrible, whoa, I hope this comes out right. If Dermody does well. You have something for the long term, including 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024. But if he's terrible, then you let him go. With a young draft pick like Caraway, you want to slowly nurture him along, rushing him to the major leagues. Only works if he's really successful. And do you really think a guy who walks six in nine and a third college innings When a bunch of the innings were against South Dakota State, UT Arlington and Arkansas State is going to be able to hold his own against Major League hitters. Here, Eloy Jimenez. I I don't know. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll try to post another podcast as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to make that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go. Be nice to people.